Welcome to Tangential Soup, a weekly podcast discussing life in Australia, technology, food, fitness, and the like, hosted by myself, David Caddy, Melbourneian independent developer and tea enthusiast, as well as my good childhood friend, Alexander Carr, Sydney cider, slave to the man, karate practitioner, and lover of adventure. This week, we talk about the Impossible Burger, the 8-Hour Workday, Twitter Character Limits, and Alex's new motorcycle. So did you watch this video on the Impossible Burger, Alex? I don't know whether you've heard about this before. and I have heard about it before, but I only just recently saw this video, which sums it up quite well, I think. Um, I, I have seen the video. Um, hadn't heard of it before, though. This is, this is my first time hearing about it. Um, and honestly, I think it's a fantastic idea. So for those uh, listening at home, this is essentially a burger patty that's vegetarian, made primarily from soy root, that is designed to have the flavor and texture of a regular beef burger patty. And uh, from everyone that's tried it, it seems pretty impressive. Yeah, look, I um, my thoughts are that the future has to be vegetarian. I mean, I think the meat industry just isn't sustainable. Um, and, and along with that, it's quite cruel as well. Um, and it's really unnecessary once technology like this is developed that we actually... We actually have, um, you know, have, have places like slaughterhouses and everything like that where where creatures are killed in, in quite a horrible way for, for no good reason. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, along with the um, lab-grown meat, this is probably another one of those things that are really going to help us get to that eventual future where that sort of thing is at least minimized drastically. Yeah, exactly. I really kind of want to try this. Yeah, it would uh, it would it would be very nice. Um, in my mind, it would it seems to me that it would be a more affordable option than um, than you know just just regular meat that we have at the moment because obviously you don't need all the all the land space to to keep the to keep the animals. Um, you don't need to um, you know you don't need all all the food costs to to feed them and everything like that. I suppose in terms of food, animals are actually quite an inefficient way of uh, of, of producing food because there's so much, so much, so many overhead costs, um, so much space is required, and uh, so many resources go into just one just one animal. Whereas if you can manufacture food in an environment like this, then you, you know it's just going to make everything a lot more efficient. Um, obviously, probably in poorer countries, you'll still have problems with standards of quality and everything like that, but uh, still good. Yeah, it's uh, certainly is the future. I think that, and along with um, insects. <laughs> yes, which we have uh, <clears throat> discussed before. Yes. Um, so yeah, I would encourage everyone to click the link in the show notes and give this video a look. It's from uh, the Wired YouTube channel, and uh, it goes into it in quite good detail. It's only about six minutes long. It's well worth a watch. I think very interesting. Yeah, I would agree with that. Did you read this article, Alex, which is sort of a summary of a new study that's come out um, about how to most effectively structure your workday? I did, yes. Um, 
it's very interesting to kind of see. Because um, I, I actually tend to be one of those people who just work through, um, you know, I, I work through my tiredness and I, I'm just trying to push through because I figure, you know, as long as I'm working, I'm actually getting something done. But if, I'm, if I've stopped, then uh, my productivity has obviously stopped as well and I've, I've stopped, stopped achieving what I should be doing. So um, yeah, I'm very I'm very responsible, or I'm usually usually responsible for uh, for working through my fatigue, and it's just interesting to see that I could be doing it more efficiently. Yeah. So what the study is suggesting that um, it's about 52 minutes of focused work, and then 17, 18 minutes break time is sort of the optimal structure, and uh, not just like a break, you know, maybe doing an email, going on a phone call, or something, but um, for most benefit, you want to, you know, go for a walk or have a bit of a chat with a colleague or something. Completely take your mind off of the work that you're doing, and then after you've had that break, um, go straight back to it. So they're suggesting, you know, it's probably close enough to an hour on and then fifteen minutes off. But it, yeah, it's it, I've never actually done this sort of thing. I seem to just when I get on a roll, I just really get in the zone. So I do power through, but it would be interesting to maybe try this sort of thing. Not that it would be necessarily the easiest thing to implement on your own in a lot of workplaces because people would be like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Get back to work. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, that that was actually my first thought when I saw it as well. How, How are you going to just decide that you're going to stop working for 15 minutes after every hour of work? And the answer is you're probably not going to be able to decide that. Um, you know, hopefully as, as workplaces evolve, they'll um, become more receptive to uh, to these kind of ideas and, uh, and get to a stage where, uh, you know, it will, be, uh, it will be good and acceptable to do such a thing and encouraged even. Yes. It's hard to, it's hard to, to measure productivity, I think, for, for workers or for, for employers rather. And uh, I think just the general assumption is that if you're not working, you're not being productive, um, and it's not helping your productivity at work. As if you are working, you're obviously producing. Even if it's not the best result possible, you're still producing a result. And I think that's really all they kind of look at. Mm. So you don't you don't really have too many breaks, do you, Alex? Apart from your lunch break. Uh, well, I, I take my I take an hour for lunch, um, and I tend to spend it in the gym, which I find is probably exactly what they're suggesting. So, do something that completely takes your mind away from away from work um, and physical too, which I is good. Yeah, exactly. It keeps me keeps me fit. Um, I don't I don't do anything work related in in my hour, um, but I tend to I tend to try to spend the rest of my time at work working as efficiently as I possibly can. Mm. Um, and that's, that's basically how I try and structure my day. Do you have any sort of productivity dip towards the end of the day, do you feel? or you're... Oh, definitely, without a doubt. Okay. Yeah, so when I'm, when I'm working, I can... Towards the end of the day, I know it's the end of the day because I've, I've stopped working very well, basically, is how it works. <laughs> so do you pack up and go home at that point or power on? Uh, well, it depends. If I still have work to do, I'll, I'll power on. Um, if I don't, I'll, I'll pack up. Yeah, case by case, I suppose. Mm. But generally speaking, if I have work to do, I'll, I'll keep working until there is no work left to do. Does that ever happen? Uh, not not often, no, unfortunately. 
yes, I usually have, always have some tasks sitting there for me, no matter how well I tend to yeah. do. Yeah, it just, it just seems like that. And there are, there are always things that kind of get pushed to the back where if you have time, yes, they then pop up. So, yeah. you know, there's always, there's always, there's always something else to do. Exactly. Um, like today I had, I had all these emails that I'd kind of been avoiding, to be honest. Um, but it's just like very tricky, fiddly things to do. Um, and I kind of, I finished all my work quite early today, but I just then got bogged down in these emails and I ended up leaving work quite late just, just because of, because of, um, you know, those emails that were just sitting there doing, doing nothing for me really. Mm, mm. It does take up so much time answering emails. It does. As we've, as we've discussed. One of those subtle time sinks. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you just can't quite seem to escape them. No. Or do anything productive with them. And people don't like it if you're not really responsive to them either. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you become tied to your emails. Um, yeah, but that's that's basically my working day in a nutshell. Kind of the, the barriers that I face with those. Given you're sort of in the management position now, do you feel like you have to make sure you're there before your team and there after your team? Or do you just, you know, focus on what you have to do and that's fine, whatever they do is whatever they do and whatever you do, it's fine? Um, I, I do try to be. Um, so I, I try to always be there before everyone else and leave after everyone else. Um, even though, in my mind, it doesn't actually really make a difference. Um you know, I'm paid for eight hours a day. That's those are my hours, same as everyone else. Um, but I, I think it, I think it looks a bit better if they can see you working harder, or if they think that you're working harder. <laughs> but that's all it is, right? It's just an impression. It is an impression. I mean, obviously, like I have a wider range of things, and like they kind of finish their work for the day, and they can basically go home without any work sitting over their head. But I, I don't really ever have that luxury. Like, there's always something else for me to do. Mm. Um, which I suppose is really the only difference or the only main difference there. But, like, I could I could probably leave after doing eight hours of work each day and, you know, get the vast majority of my things done. Mm. Yes, we spoke about uh, Parkinson's Law. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on Twitter doubling their character limit from 140 to 280? Or it seems very likely um, they're I, testing it. Look, I I, saw, I I actually did not read um, the article that you mentioned, but I saw something on the Australian Financial Review, I think, about it. Um, I don't exactly understand what the motivation behind it was, though. Does it make them more efficient in any way? Well... What they were saying is in English and a lot of other languages, they're sort of monitoring or have been for a long time because Twitter is very old now, um, sort of the character counts of tweets. And they were saying up to about 9% are right on that 140 limit. Yeah. That seems to suggest that people are altering what they wanted to say in order to fit it into that space. Um, And then they were contrasting that with languages like Japanese where because they have a vast number of characters they can usually condense down their thoughts and it fits quite easily into 140 characters 
and in fact it was like point right. point seven or something in the Japanese language that hit that limit. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess the idea is to make it a little bit more fair in that regard, but it's strange because this is Twitter. This was the reason that, um, well, yes, this this is one of the defining characters of Twitter, and uh, it, it's going to be interesting if they change it and see if it has much of an effect or not. I think, you know, to a degree, the fact that it's always really bite-sized chunks and it isn't long-form writing at all is one of the main draw cards of Twitter. And while, you know, you might say 280 versus 140 is not a huge difference, it is twice as much, so it could have it could have an effect on the user base. I'm not really sure, though. Yeah, well, possibly. Do you know why originally they picked 140? I, I actually have no idea, to be honest with you. Um, do you think that Twitter still serves its original purpose, though? Well, I suppose you're about to tell me if it does. Um, well, I mean, it's very different to what it did originally. But originally, the reason why they chose 140 is because the standard text message length, which is the original protocol they were sort of piggybacking on in the very, very early days, allows for 160 characters in a single message. So they picked 140 so they could also allow for um, broadcasting the actual username and allowed 20 characters for that as well. So that's why they got to 140. Okay. Um, And they just stuck with that all the way through. But obviously it's grown well beyond what the original creators intended into some would say a fantastic community, some would say a dumpster fire. Um, (laughs) But it certainly has a lot of reach. So it's interesting that they would change such a fundamental part of it. Well, yes, it, it is, isn't it? Mm. Um, I mean, I'm sure that they had a lot of business analysts to look at the decision before they before they uh, decided to go ahead with it. So, sure, it has, to a certain extent at least, been a thought-out decision. Mm. But, uh, whether it will work out for them or not is a different story, I suppose. Definitely. Well, we're really powering through the topics this week, Alex. Yeah, we are. I don't know if it's because we feel like we're in a rush because it's fairly late at night on a day we don't typically record, but uh, certainly moving through them. Yeah, I think usually I'm a little more lackadaisical. (laughs) That's what people tune in for, Alex. Good. Your lackadaisical mannerisms. Good, good. I'm glad. Glad I'm drawing crowds. So, Alex, tell me about your new motorcycle. Yes, my new motorcycle. Um, So, for people that understand motorcycles, it is a Kawasaki Ninja uh, 300A. For people that don't understand motorcycles, it's green, right? (laughs) (laughs) It is is a fantastic name. Um, Did you want green specifically? No, so it was actually, um, I mean, I, while I while I like the look of the bike, it wouldn't have been my first choice. Um, it really just came down to price. So it has very low kilometers. Um, mm. Again, for people that understand bikes, it has about 3,000 kilometers on it, and it's a 2012 model. So what I understand happened is the previous owner just kept it in a shed, never rode it, and um, 
he brought it into uh, the mechanic I brought it bought it from uh, for a service and left it there for I think a month came back and said can you sell it for me I never use it and the mechanic was uh, originally asking $3,800 for it um, but uh, with some very shrewd bargaining from my father um, who is who is actually a very good uh, good bargainer we got it down to $3,200 um, I don't know if I've discussed this before on here but uh, one of the main things that makes my dad a great bargainer is he's quite happy to sit in the awkward silence that ensues <laughs> from you asking someone to basically give up most of the profit that they're making on the item. So, and they'll blink first. He never blinks, so yes. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, so that's that's a place that he sits very comfortably in. I don't, which is why I uh, in, enlisted his help to... Uh, to, to, to get the bike, basically. Um, oh. And I've also bought full riding equipment because I, I very much believe that, uh, you know, I'm very aware of the fact that motorcycles are not as safe as cars, uh, but one of the things that makes them a whole lot less safe is not wearing proper protective equipment. So that includes mm. helmet, boots, gloves, jacket, and uh, pants. And... Basically, yeah, I've I haven't had a chance to ride it much. I've been quite busy this week, and every time I come through the door, I've, I've got it sitting. Um, I've kind of parked it in the uh, in the entrance to the to the house, um, just because I don't really want to park it on the street necessarily, even though it is still right next door to this to the uh, to the sidewalk. Um, you know, it keeps it off the off the roadway in general, and just makes me feel a little bit safer about it. Mm. So, have you ridden it at all? Yes, uh, I've ridden it a couple of times so far. Um, first time was just back from the dealer, which just happened to be just down the road. And um, the second time was um, just just around the area, just to try and get used to it. Um, but I really haven't had a chance since because my parents have been up uh, visiting and then I've just been busy with work and, and karate training, unfortunately. But it will happen. I'm really keen to ride it. But it's it's amazing, David. You know, I think I think one of the things about um, riding a bike, and I'm not saying that they're safe or better than cars, because um, obviously each has their appeal, and cars are obviously always going to be safer than bikes, hands down. But uh, they are a lot cheaper, and especially if you go down the scooter road, it's a lot more efficient too. You know, like you don't use nearly as much fuel. It's easier to park it. You can get free parking around a lot of cities. Well, I think in a lot of ways they're, they're a better option. Yeah, well, that's definitely That's true. my case, at least. Um, obviously, for the motorbike, I just like being able to zoom around. So what are you going to use the bike for, Alex? Well, uh, it really just recreation. Um, there's no not much point in riding it into the city because, A, I've got to wear all my protective gear in and then once I get there, I've then got to get changed. It's a bit of a hassle. Um, plus, it's quite difficult to get parking right in the CBD where I work. Um, so that's another reason. Um, and as well as that, it seems like I'd then have to battle through peak hour traffic on the way in and on the way back and it would be slower than taking the train. Uh, so really, it'll just be about riding around on the weekend. I definitely intend to take it up the coast, um, yeah, and just to look impressive on. That's my that's my main goal. <laughs> just want to 
<laughs> just want to look sexy on my back. <laughs> you should wear your suit at the same time. I know that's not protective clothing, but that'd look good. Well, maybe I could wear my suit over my protective clothing. Yes. <laughs> good idea or great idea. You'll have to send us a picture, Alex, so I can put it in the show notes of your ninja. Oh, I will. Definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a picture of my ninja. Um, as I said, like when you look at it, I mean, I think it's quite a good looking bike, but um, I wouldn't have actually usually gone for a bike with the fairings, which is kind of the, the pr- uh, plastic protective kind of casing around the bike. I prefer the, it's called a naked look. So it's where you don't, you don't have those, those fairings around the bike. Um, but as I said, this one was just way cheaper than anything else out there because what because i got it from a private seller like it was being sold through the mechanic who who did it but um it was actually still like he was just doing the selling it wasn't uh it wasn't being like he wasn't he wasn't actually the seller the seller was still the 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 original owner Mm. um so i got a very good deal with that um the only thing is it needs registering in a month, but that's not really a big problem. And it's still about $1,500 cheaper than the nearest bit of competition. Mm. Yeah, well, that's about what you wanted to pay, right? Um, it, it was, yeah. And then I spent another $1,200 on protective equipment, which is apparently what you pay on that kind of stuff. Just That's just the price. Seems expensive, but I suppose it's all leather, right? Well, no. So uh, I think my boots my my gloves are uh, a leather a leather um mix so i think it's got like leather around it and then it's got reinforced knuckles um my boots i think are plastic my uh my jacket is kevlar and my um and obviously my helmet is made out of whatever helmets are made out of <laughs> dreams <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, Kev- Kevlar's good. Yeah. Of course, that's what they would use now. Well, I mean, Kevlar's the stuff, I think. Mm. It's like the, the leather substitute. Well, yeah, it's better than leather. Because really... And more expensive. Though. Really what it's about is the uh, ability for the fabric or, you know, the, the material to withstand abrasion. It's not about it being able to withstand it being punctured. It's about it being able to withstand it sliding along the road, essentially. Because that's the main thing that happens with a motorbike. You fall off the bike for whatever reason, and then you start to slide. Mm. And then that's where all the damage is done. And you lose all your skin and you start to cry and everything goes everything goes bad. <laughs> well, we don't want but that, Alex. That's why you wear your protective equipment. Yes. And being a nice lightish bike, I imagine, it's probably not going to fall over and crush you. No, it's not, no. Some bikes weigh quite a bit. I think this one weighs about 150 kilos. Mm. So that's that's nothing compared to some bikes, which I think are about five or 600 kilos. Yeah, I can imagine some of those beast Harleys and that. Yeah, I think the Harleys are one of the, the type of bike that are, that are infamous for uh, being really heavy. And if you drop them, you can't kind of pick them up again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if they fall in your But if you actually look at Harleys... They've got those. They've got those kind of foot stand thingies that almost make it impossible to drop the bike when you take into account how wide the handlebars are. <laughs> Wouldn't actually properly fall over. It would just kind of tilt a bit. Mm. That would be what I would imagine would happen. Obviously, I've never dropped a Harley. 
I couldn't afford to drop one. It'd be far too expensive. Uh, maybe you can get a nice refurbished one at some point. I don't really like the look of the Harleys, to be honest with you. No? I think they look a bit... Don't you think they look a bit, you know... But isn't, that the, isn't that the look, you know? It's the Harley look. It's not my kind of look, though. Don't you want to look like a biker? My kind of look is... I want to look sporty, you know? There are different kind of bikers. There are the bikers that, you know, sell drugs and... Yeah, the traditional... Kill people. <laughs> Hard-nosed <laughs> biker. bikers. And then there's me. There's the people that have their bike to ride on the weekend and don't sell drugs or kill anyone. Now, for any bikers out there listening, you're not all like that, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and please don't come after the podcast. Yeah, we're innocent. <laughs> Or at least David is. Oh, well, I hope you have some good, clean, safe fun on it, Alex. Oh, uh, look, I, I anticipate that I will. Um, that's certainly my goal in this whole experience. Good, clean, safe fun. That, that was what I described to the, uh, to the previous owner of the bike before I bought it. <laughs> and he, he said that it was possible on such a bike. So I think, I think, uh, I think it's going to happen. So, David, I'm I'm the proud new owner of an Amex card. And the reason for this is? Qantas Frequent Flyer Points is is the only reason for it. You know those points are a scam, um, don't you? Well, they can be redeemed for flights. <laughs> yes, yes, they can. And I suppose... But that's what I need them for. Only if you don't go out of your way to use this thing to get points if you're just accumulating points through your normal shopping habits then it's marginally beneficial but as soon as you go out of your way they have one big time well okay no i understand that and i would never make any unnecessary purchases any purchases that i wouldn't normally make and i i mean complete agreement with you there like if i start using this card just for the purpose of using it then you're right, they've won because, I mean, I'm then racking up credit and spending on things that I don't need and fueling our consumerist society and just doing everything that's bad. But um, that's not why I got this. That and the amount of points that you get is minuscule. Okay. Um, I got 100,000 points when I signed up. Well, that's probably decent. And one of the benefits of the Amex card is that you can um, every so because I've got a Qantas linked Amex card every year I get 450 Qantas dollars to use so these are dollars that I can use on flights with Qantas or Jetstar and I would probably be using Jetstar to be honest because I mean I'm not made of money (laughs) so you know I'm a bit of a budget airline person um and still better than Tiger. I would use these points to basically fl- fly back to Victoria and visit my family and and you. Hmm. So I mean, I see there being value now. The annual card fee on an Amex card is on this card four hundred and fifty dollars. So basically, it's cancelling itself out. So every bit of bonus I'm getting is from the extra Amex cards that I'm sorry, the extra Amex points that I'm making. Hmm. So again. I think that I'd come out ahead if I am 
using it responsibly. Obviously, I have a pretty low credit limit on it. Um, I'm only going to use it for purchases that I would already be making. As you as you pointed out, I wouldn't be going on my way to buy things. Mm. Um, so yeah, and I've also been that horrible person who has gone into work and talked about it and tried to send people referral codes <laughs> so I get extra Qantas points. <laughs> oh man, they've really got you, don't they, Alex? <laughs> They they have me. Yeah, um, I'm a bit of an Amex person now. But having said that, like I I very much agree with you, David. And I don't um, I don't I don't want to become one of those people that spends for the just for the purpose of spending. But I do think in this particular occasion it might be a good deal. I hope. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll have to crunch the numbers after twelve months or something. I will. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I don't intend to pay a cent of interest as well. So there's that too. Mm. Yeah. That's a, that's a given, really. You don't want to be paying interest on credit cards. No. Yet some people do. Thanks again for joining me, Alex. Not a problem, David. Pleasure as always. You can follow and get in touch with us on Twitter at Tangential Soup, and you can find this week's show notes with more information about today's topics at tsp.fm slash 24. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with anyone you think might also. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Ciao. Don't you say Amex? What was Amex? American Express. Yeah. American Amex. Express. I don't know. I always hear people say Amex, so I thought that was how you said it. I've never said Amex. It's like GIF or JIF. <laughs> Probably is. Although apparently I had heard that uh, the original creator of what is apparently called the JIF has confirmed it could should be called a JIF. Yes, but just because you create something doesn't mean you get to decide how it's pronounced. <laughs> Well, didn't he name it as well? I mean, surely in the naming he uh, he made that decision. But it's do you know? It's an acronym. So then you're just taking an acronym and then pronouncing it. Just because you're the creator doesn't mean that you can say, "Oh, you should say the acronym like this." If he said, "Oh no, it should be definitely GIF," and you should always say it GIF, then maybe I'd be on board. But uh, the internet has decided. That is not GIF, it's GIF. Well, I've always pronounced it GIF. Um, I don't know how you knew this. How do you have this information on hand? (laughs) What information is that? (laughs) The information that it should be pronounced GIF and not GIF. Um, You mean that the creator said that? No, that um, the internet has decided this. Or is this just from your general observations? No, sorry, did I say it the wrong way around? Now I'm getting confused. It's definitely GIF. You don't pronounce it like a J, you pronounce it like a G. Ah, oh, you were pronouncing it like a J. Okay. That's how I pronounce it. What you have now told me is incorrectly. All right. I just went from a high to a low, David. It's disappointing. <laughs> okay, now I think the original creator says that it should be GIF, right? No, he says GIF. No, no, I he think. says GIF. He agrees with you. He says GIF, does he? Yeah.
but the internet has it's agreed GIF. that it's GIF. I mean, not, not not entirely. Not not. Oh, I've confused. I've confused myself now because I think I used to. I pronounce it GIF. No, I pronounce it GIF. <laughs> yes, GIF is what you want because it makes far more sense because it's a G and not a J. That's all. That's the end of the discussion. But yes, the creator I've says it's the wrong. We got to in this discussion. <laughs> The creator has told you it's wrong. Okay, all right. The creator wants. I don't it know how I lost track. So to be like a J. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> don't know whose fault it was. When I listen back, I don't know how I'm going to be able to salvage this section. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a mess, wasn't it? Yes, yes. But uh, anyway, we crack on. Um, yes, let's persevere through this. Was that your main point, or was there some other point <laughs> to what you were saying? I've completely forgotten what we were talking about, actually. <laughs> okay, never mind then. Um, next up. Oh, Amex. Amex. Amex, yes. Amex. That's right. That's how we got onto this. 